0: A child is probably not going to pop up in the middle of the classroom and start doing yoga poses um, when they're feeling stressed. So instead, they have techniques like deep breathing. Uh, We make it really fun. The method that I use is using the breath and remembering the name by associating it with an animal.
1: Inform, educate, advocate. This is your source for all things early childhood, from nurturing healthy development to overcoming behavioral challenges and recognizing mental health needs. Welcome to Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. I don't know about you,
2: but mindfulness was not something I learned about until I was an adult. Growing up, I remember coming in from recess and putting my head down on the desk and having the lights off for our little moment before we would go back into class, but that was pretty much it. And fortunately, today, things are a little different, so I am happy to be here talking with some folks about mindfulness for children. I'm your host, Kristen Tyson, and you're listening to Centering Kids. Today, I'm talking with Margaret Ross, who is a school-based mental health therapist at the Florida Center for Early Childhood and a certified children's yoga instructor. Thanks for being here
0: today, Margaret. Thank you for having me.
2: Also joining us is Dr. Jonna Bryn, who's the director of the Florida Center Training Institute, which provides an opportunity for professionals like Margaret to share their advice and expertise with caregivers, educators, or other early childhood professionals. Thanks for being here, Jonna.
3: I'm happy to be here.
2: Before we begin our conversation, I just want to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Forethought Private Wealth. Forethought Private Wealth helps people make better decisions for less stress. Great financial planning requires forethought. You can find out more at www.forethought.com. That's F-O-U-R thought.com. All right. So as we get started, why don't each of you tell our listeners a little bit about your background
0: and maybe what drew you to the field? Margaret, why don't we start with you? Sure, Um, so my background is in psychology and family and child sciences, Um, and I've always been interested in mindfulness, positive psychology, um, and working with kids. And so I started my career fresh out of graduate school um, working in an inpatient and outpatient uh, setting in a hospital, so I was working primarily um, in an adults-only setting, and so I wanted to find a way to also work with kids and share some of my my training and, and put it to good use. Um, so I taught some children's yoga classes in the summers uh, while I was in undergrad and graduate school. And that was for ages, goodness, five to seven, and then we did an eight to 10 and an 11 to 13. Um, And that was at a studio in my hometown. And then when I was in graduate school and then on working, I got in touch with a family who had a young girl who had a genetic disorder um, and some social and interpersonal difficulties. Um, beautiful, wonderful young girl and her family felt like yoga and mindfulness would be really helpful skills to help her regulate herself. So uh, I worked with that young girl for quite a while uh, before coming into this job, um, which required me to relocate. Uh, And so I was able to work one-on-one and see the benefits of what yoga and mindfulness can do.
2: Excellent. And I I know we're glad to have you in our Sarasota community working with
3: children in the school system. And Shauna, how about you? Yes, thank you for asking. I actually am sitting here thinking about my background and I was like, wow, this is a been a fast year and I haven't really answered this question in a while. So it's exciting to be here with you all here at a table or in person um, after a full year of a pandemic. Um, I came to the Florida Center just before COVID hit. So we kind of found the silver lining for the training institute in the virtual realm of training. So that's been exciting to, to help the institute. Uh, get built and be created um, on an online platform. And my background is also with children. I've been in the field off and on for over 20 years. Uh, started off in a residential treatment facility and working with kids in the community. And I also have a photography background, which I love to incorporate when I was a therapist, um, using photography as a form of. Uh, expression for kiddos in, in therapy. So, so that's been really exciting to explore that uh, within um, therapeutic settings. And I have taught at a couple of universities and enjoy the, the educational side of in, incorporating that with our therapists and teachers here at the Florida Center. And so it's really exciting for me to be a part of the training institute and bring to the table the skills that I have to help us all grow.
2: Alright, great. Thank you. So you guys obviously have, um, you know, a history and a passion for helping children and, and for using therapy as a way to help them in, you know, through whatever developmental challenges they might have and, and just in general. I mean, I think we can all use some mindfulness in our lives more than what, you know, we typically have. Um, But Margaret, maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the techniques that you use with children in the schools, in your role in the elementary school.
0: Definitely. So um, the school environment is a go, go, go environment. um, And, you know, a very heavy focus, as it should be, on academics. Um, But that also can be Overwhelming and stressful for some kids with um, some emotional difficulties and, and those that have trouble regulating themselves. So when they get kind of worked up and they get overwhelmed, they don't know how to bring those heightened emotions back to a steady place. The mindfulness that I like to use with elementary school kids, so ages about five or six up to 12 was the oldest that I have are going to be things that are going to be accessible for them in many different settings. A child is probably not going to pop up in the middle of the classroom and start doing yoga poses um, when they're feeling stressed. So instead they have techniques like deep breathing. Uh, we make it really fun. Um, the method that I use is using the breath and remembering the name by associating it with an animal.
2: So Margaret, maybe you can give us some actual examples of some of the breathing techniques that you're talking about. I, I, for one, know that I could try these on my children at home. I'm sure some of our listeners could as well.
0: Definitely. So we know most kids love animals. So Uh, One that comes to mind is snake breath, Um, and it's something that kids can do as loudly or as softly as they prefer. And it would just be an inhale, and then the exhale is what's going to sound kind of like the hiss. So something like this. And then... Another one would be not an animal, but, uh, something that kids can visualize, um, is kind of like an ocean breath or a wave. And that is an inhale through the nose and then an exhale where you almost create kind of a deep vibration in the back of your throat. So it sounds like this. And then there's other breaths, um, In adult yoga or adult mindfulness, they don't get the fun names that kids get, um, but there's square breathing. So that's an inhale for four counts, holding the breath at the top for four counts, exhaling for four, and then pausing for four before beginning again. Um, But in some kids' versions, they might give an animal name to it, like bear or something like that.
2: Okay, great. So it's making things accessible for children and fun to do. I know I've heard things like um, smelling the flowers and cooling the soup or something like that.
0: Those are good, yeah.
2: (laughs) Wonderful, okay.
0: Um, So for example, I have a really great resource called Mindfulness for Kids and Yoga Pretzels. And those are awesome kind of little cards um, that have different techniques on them. So for example, body awareness, body scan is one that kids could do at school. Um, Sitting in their chair, they could just bring awareness to, you know, the top of their head all the way down to their toes and notice how they're feeling in the moment. Notice, you know, am I holding tension or worry in any area? So those are some ones that are really great in the school setting.
2: Okay, nice. And I'm thinking I could probably use some of those at my office too while I'm I'm sitting there during the day. And it's so interesting. I'm thinking about, you know, back to being in elementary school and and just, you know, not having those kinds of resources to to help and, and teachers, you know, why don't you, you know, sit down, settle down, or even, you know, grandparents sometimes will, you know, stop fidgeting. And, and so having something that's a little bit more structured and and productive for children to do, I think is really excellent. So have you been able to, you know, work with teachers in incorporating some of these different techniques in the classroom?
0: Yes, um, I have noticed some teachers using mindfulness techniques. When I will go to the classroom to pick up a kiddo for our session, uh, in the morning sometimes they start with kind of a quiet time and they'll put on relaxing music and the lights will be low. So I've, I've witnessed it and I've walked into the classroom and, and said, oh my gosh, the energy in here is just is calm. And there's also another really great resource that I learned about and did a brief training on it's called inner explorer and inner explorer is something that is accessible for teachers parents you name it anybody working with kids and it has resources online and we know the kids love to be online on the computers or on their tablets Um, and so it's something that they can access to and so that's something that i've seen teachers use as well great
2: That is one of the benefits of, you know, being in this digital age is that we're able to have all these resources at our fingertips if we know how to find them. So that is wonderful. Um, So can you maybe tell me about uh, an example or a time where you saw these techniques or your yoga or the breathing really help a child with some challenges they were having?
0: Yes. So My uh, story earlier about the young one that I worked with um, in a different city, I worked individually with her after school at her home. Um, I noticed that the more rapport that we built, the more time that we spent together, and the more that we practiced those mindfulness techniques, um, she was able to have better communication with me and with her family. She could voice what she was feeling and what she needed more appropriately. So that was, you know, she made great strides. And I would say I worked with her for about a year and um, I saw a lot of progress. With my kiddos in the elementary school setting, um, I have seen them be able to regulate themselves within an hour long session. Um, So they will come in very energetic, um, very kind of rearing to go um, in an excited way. But then also I've had ones that come in very frustrated, very upset. And through doing some of these mindfulness techniques, um, not just the deep breathing or the body awareness, but um, just acknowledging the feeling, noticing the emotion, um, putting a name to it, understanding what prompted it things that kind of break down this overwhelming you know sense that they have about them um, they're able to then come to a place where they can process that and continue on in a more regulated state
2: Wonderful. So um what are maybe some things that parents and children could possibly do together to create maybe a more peaceful home environment because I know, you know, after school, a lot of times children won't come home and they've kind of held it together all day. And then they're just like, it's chaos when they get home and the parents are trying to get dinner done. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of craziness. So maybe there are some things that we could recommend to some of our listeners that maybe they could do at home.
0: Certainly. So it's definitely age dependent. Um, I think for some young kids and parents, maybe just arriving at home and before jumping into whatever activity or task, homework assignment, um, taking even just a minute to sit down and breathe together um, and kind of co-regulate parent and child or caregiver and child. Um, I also think that before bed is a great time for kids. So maybe You know, being with your child as they're getting ready for bed and then when they're laying down, maybe encouraging them to do something like progressive muscle relaxation. Um, It doesn't have to be fancy for kids, you know, but just saying, you know, is my jaw relaxed or my shoulders relaxed or my hands in a fist or are my fingers relaxed? Um, Am I scrunching my toes or am I, you know, in a calm place, is my body calm and ready to fall asleep? Um, So just those really accessible things for uh, caregivers and children in the home can be just a part of your everyday home routine.
2: Okay. So maybe it's just kind of making a more intentional effort to do something like that, I think would be good.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you say, oh, I need to do this exercise with my child, Just incorporating it into your normal activities. So what is one extra minute of regulating yourself when you walk in the door and breathing? Um, That one minute can make a big difference.
2: Definitely. Well, I definitely appreciate all this insight, Margaret. And I know our listeners can benefit from all of your knowledge in an upcoming webinar that we actually have through the Florida Center Training Institute. Jonna, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Training Institute in general.
3: Yes. Um, Yeah, I'm excited that Margaret's here and wants to provide her expertise to us. So it's people like Margaret that are on the front lines working with our kiddos here at the Florida Center that are stepping up and coming to uh, the Training Institute to share. So we have a variety of professionals uh, from our FASD clinic. We have the only Florida, uh, the only FASD clinic in the state of Florida. It's fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So we have a lot of trainings on that topic. Um, we have school based mental health therapists like Margaret um, and other uh, professionals focusing on early childhood development. So we try to keep our topics focused on the early childhood development and infant mental health. Um, so, yeah, so we are building our training calendar and offering to parents, teachers, therapists, anyone that's working with little kiddos, um, generally from zero to eight years old. Okay. And we, uh, the training
2: institute does these as virtual and in person as well, depending on, you know, obviously the person's preference or the, the organization's preference?
3: Yes, we also can customize trainings for different organizations. I came, like I mentioned, right before COVID hit, and we were in um, a classroom at different organizations traveling around Florida and offering trainings that way. And as I mentioned, the silver lining of COVID, we have um, really kind of uh, grew, grew quickly on the online platforms with using Zoom and Zoom webinar Uh so we can offer virtual, so that's actually been this entire year. We actually have our first in-person training today, um, adoption competency training. It's actually a five-day training, and that is in-person. That'll probably be our only in-person for this year, but um, yeah, so we can customize what is suits uh, your staff at your organization as well. Okay,
2: great. And one of the things I think is so interesting about the, the Training Institute is that it's not necessarily just for um, early childhood professionals, but it's for anyone you know that's working with children at all. Even like law enforcement, or you know, school resource officers, or um, teachers. I mean, teachers will be working with children, but you know, it doesn't have to be one of those professions because anyone can benefit from, say, you know, being trauma-informed and understanding that a child is not necessarily acting out because they're bad, but maybe something is going on with them. So there's an underlying cause. I just, you know, the more that we're able to learn about those things and recognize them, I think it, it's, you know, better for our whole community.
3: Yes, and we've actually have some upcoming trainings on, like, neural behavioral challenges and kind of some brain-based issues going on with kiddos to help us learn more about that, which is kind of also rooted within FASD. And so I've been really thrilled to see us even reach uh, like Orlando Health and different hospitals and helping doctors understand um, so much more than what they learn in school on FASD and other neurobehavioral challenges in kiddos. Mm-hmm. So, so absolutely. Absolutely. And we can provide
2: these kinds of trainings anywhere now because of the the virtual nature. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in the state of Florida where we're based. And we actually do
3: trainings regularly in
2: Michigan, isn't that right?
3: Yes, we have Dr. Annika Transick, and she uh, offers uh, training there as well. Yes, yeah, so so yeah, I'm excited to try to work um, nationally or internationally with anyone that would like to learn from our professionals here
2: okay and the website for the training institute is just www.floridacentertraining.org
3: yes correct
2: okay and then people can also get there from the floridacenter.org which is the florida center for early childhoods website And again, I just want to thank our sponsor for today's podcast, which is Forethought Private Wealth. And Forethought helps provide uh, better decisions for people for less stress. The great financial planning requires Forethought. And people can find out more at www.forethought.com. And that's F-O-U-R thought.com. And um, Margaret, I just want to say thank you for being here today and for all the difference that you're making for children in the community.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be in the community and providing these really great resources to kids and families.
2: And Jonna, it's wonderful that you're able to bring such important information out to the community and to the state even in different trainings that you do. So thank you for being here.
3: Thank you. I'm excited. And check out our training calendar at floridacentertraining.org and see when uh, Margaret's going to be sharing this fall.
2: Yes, and people can still register for Margaret's training, which is a sea of calm in, no, a wave of calm in a sea of chaos. So that we'll we'll learn about um some techniques that she can offer
3: there. And I'm excited, actually. We are a CEU provider at the Training Institute. So uh, most of our trainings will provide CEUs to those that need continuing education hours.
2: Perfect. Wonderful. Well, that's definitely a benefit. All right. And thank you to our listeners for being here today to see Centering Kids, advice from the experts
1: at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Centering Kids. You can visit the Florida Center for Early Childhood online at www.thefloridacenter.org to learn more and subscribe to this podcast. Have comments or suggestions for a show topic? Email us at podcast at thefloridacenter.org. Thanks again for joining us for Centering Kids, where early childhood experts give you tips and tools to help center children, foster their healthy development, and build stronger families.